0: Welcome to the Access Church Podcast and our Sermon of the Week. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. And uh, today we're going to be talking about being honest in a dishonest world. And uh, as we've been walking through these Ten Commandments over the last several weeks, we're talking about timeless values for today's family. I've shared week after week that a lot of the foundational values that many of you, that you raised your kids or you raised your grandkids, you know, with these family values actually came from the Bible. And we see as the breakdown we see of the family, we see the breakdown of our culture, and we see the loss of some of these very simple values that, um, that we just see in our culture. And so today we're going to be talking about being honest in a dishonest world, next week we're going to be talking about truth, and then the last week we will be talking about the secret to satisfaction. The Bible says it very simply, it says this, you shall or you must not steal. You shall or you must not steal. So as we, many of us are parents or you have grandkids, we live in a culture that doesn't value honesty, right? Do we see that in our world today? It's lacking in politics. It's lacking in advertisements. And honestly, I think there's a bent towards believing that something is not true when somebody tells you something, right? We, just, we question just about everything because we see that truth has eroded in our culture. So we're living in, in a world where there's more than one way to break this command, it seems that, you know, people con each other out of all kinds of stuff with modern technology. You know, when you go back to the times of, of Moses, you don't have computer hackers, you don't have the technology where we steal information, we steal identities and so much. There's a book by Josh McDowell, and it's entitled this, Right or Wrong? And in the book, he reveals a survey of not just uh, other societies, but he's doing a study of our society as a whole with Christian young people. And he says that young people who go to church, so Christian young people who go to church, this study reveals that they actually, sorry, I need to shut this off. This thing's going to drive me crazy too. Um, actually, Nate, will you, you figure out how to shut that thing off for me? So this study reveals that Christian young people Young people who go to church, they fail to pass the test of honesty. So a lot of times when we talk about a dishonest world, you need to realize that studies show that teenagers, even in church today, 2022, are, are, are dishonest. It's more than just a dishonest world. We're raising a culture of people that are dishonest. As he did this national study, the study revealed that many of the young people that are even growing up in church have no conviction when it comes to cheating on a test in school. They have no conviction on stealing other people's information if they're going to get a better grade. In fact, young people, even in church in this study, have said that what's a sin to me may not be a sin to you, that something may not always be wrong based on what I see is wrong from the Bible. These are kids that are actually growing up in church in 2022. They may say that there are appropriate situations that you could find yourself almost doing something and feeling like it's appropriate as you're stealing someone's information. From the very beginning of of the Bible, God recognized the right of ownership, property ownership. And I grew up in a home that my parents taught me and I was raised that you don't take what doesn't belong to you. I remember growing up, they would would use little examples to use the big principle of it might be a little thing here, but if you neglect the little things here, eventually they turn into big things over there. Being honest in a dishonest world. And so today we're talking about this principle in a culture where our, we, we have ring cameras everywhere, we've got security systems, right? We have a neighbor recently that uh, we have ring cameras at our home, and there's like this little family network thing in our community, and we got a, a, an email recently that somebody had stolen a bunch of packages off of somebody's porch, and they sent a picture, and they showed the person taking the packages off off of the porch and they sent it out to a whole bunch of the neighbors so we all got notified on the phone about 2 hours later you know and about 2 hours later they send a follow up message and they're like oh i'm so sorry that person didn't steal the packages it was actually another neighbor that was trying to help us <laughs> but i'll tell you what the interesting thing about that was when i first saw the image i wasn't thinking oh that must be a nice neighbor helping somebody i was thinking who in the heck Does this person think he is stealing packages right off? We almost have this tendency to just not trust in our culture, where maybe 5, 10, 15 years ago, we would have thought maybe it was just somebody lending a helping hand. I live in Park Forest, and we sold our van uh, about two years ago to somebody in our neighborhood, and I recently checked on him, and I just said, you know, how's the van going? You ever sell a vehicle, you're always wondering, like, man, I just hope, you know, because (laughs) she... I said, this is exactly what's wrong with it. This is what needs done. But I checked in. How's the, how's the vehicle doing? He said, well, it's doing great. Other than I went out one night in the, or went out one morning, I started the vehicle up, and it, it sounded awful. He said, somebody crawled under the vehicle in Park Forest and cut out the catalytic converter for, what, $100 of platinum, you know? So that's the culture, not in a city somewhere. That's even in, in, in our community, So how do we model integrity? Because I don't want to be the type of person that just points at everybody else and says, you know, they're wrong. And but how do we model being a person that's honest or being a person of integrity? Because you can't build a community, you can't build a family, you can't build a nation, you can't build a church unless you can trust, and truth is at the foundation. I've seen nations, I've seen families. I've seen churches that crumble over the years when the seeds of dishonesty are sown. And so we see that. And today, what I want to do is talk to you about this kind of in three specific areas as we talk about this theme being honest in a dishonest world. Number one, exposing dishonesty. Number two, explaining it. And then, how do we eliminate dishonesty? Number one, how do we expose dishonesty in our nation? How do we expose dishonesty in a community? How do we expose dishonesty? If the Bible says, thou shalt not steal, then what are the issues that people are wrestling with if we talk about it? Now, I want to give you kind of like my top five. I would submit to you that these are, there's many ways that this has this trickled into our culture But I want to give you kind of my top five, which I believe would be applicable in the church, would be applicable to where you and I are today. Areas that we are dishonest, that you may not necessarily feel like you're dishonest. Well, the easiest one that I thought of is actually right from the last couple days, Black Friday shopping. I think one of the greatest ways we see dishonesty in our culture is by stealing from customers we don't necessarily see it as 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 lying but it's certainly dishonest which is really lying now stealing by deceiving customers you see this even in bible days now many of you guys how many black friday shoppers were there just go ahead and raise your hand we're going to pray for you <laughs> and it'll be okay but many of you guys went out black friday shopping to get a deal but i hate to ruin your christmas But do you wonder at times that the deal that you got might not necessarily be a deal? Because we live in a dishonest culture. There are people that make a lot of money finding ways to deceive gullible customers. So what do they do? They put the nice TVs behind the scene. And they ship TVs that have lower ratings so that they can lower the price. And you think that you got a deal on a piece of junk that you don't know is a piece of junk. But it happens all over the place. Deception is at the heart of of what takes place around this Christmas season. What, What will they do? They'll inflate the prices, and then they'll have a sale, and some of you are in retail, and some of you are in management, and you're actually nodding because you know what your companies do. So they inflate the prices, they put out the sale signs, and they deceive, and they steal from customers who walk away thinking they got a great deal. But you know what? You didn't get a great deal. That TV that you thought was going to last for 10 years is actually going to last for less than two years because you bought a piece of junk. And so you, thou shall not steal. I get you're not going to go like take somebody's car this afternoon from their driveway. But I think if you work in retail, if you own a company, I think that's an area that you can check your heart at times because it's, it's all around our culture. And unfortunately, it can slip in even to those that are in business. In Amos chapter 8, verse 5, we see this taking place all the way back in the times of the Bible where they're overcharging and they're using uh, false measurements to kind of fix the scales. And it's interesting as they're cheating the customers. Here's what the Bible says it says, You who long for the Sabbath to end and the religious uh, holiday, to be over so you can get out and start cheating again using your weighted scales and undersize measures. You know, a lot of things that take place even in our culture today, they're not really new things. This was happening all the way back in the times of the Bible. In this day, they were fixing the scales. They were putting extra weight on the scale. You ever sneak up behind somebody as they get on the scale and you just kind of put a foot on? You know, it's kind of that principle. They're putting a little extra weight on the scale, and they're actually stealing. We see corporate stealing in our world today. We see dishonesty in business, and it's no different than the things that were taking place back in the times of the Bible. Well, you say, I don't own a business, so I'm not ripping my customers off. Well, I think the second big way that we see dishonesty is actually not from The employer ripping off customers, it's actually the employee ripping off the employer. And some of you who own businesses, you know what this is like. The Bible says in the book of Colossians, it says this Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart, as working unto who? Not a company, not a boss, not an employer. What would happen if a Christian woke up every day and said, everything that I do from the very beginning of today till I put my head to bed at night, I do as an act of worship unto the Lord. What we see a lot of times in Western Christianity in particular is we want to compartmentalize things. Church is what I do over here. Family is what I do over here. Work is what I do over here. And if you have that attitude, it's very easy to work with all of your heart as you're in church unto the Lord. But the Bible says it's equally important that you work for your employer as unto the Lord. We see this all of the time where people are defrauding their employers. They take supplies home. They write things off that maybe shouldn't be written off. They defraud in their time. They don't give an honest day's wage. I know many of you are employers, and we've talked about this before, where it's like, how do you find an honest employee in our day and age? Because I thought I was gonna pay for somebody to work eight hours, but that person that works eight hours Decides they want to work four hours and they want to come up with whatever the excuse is as if no one watches or no one knows. It should never be true in the life of a Christian. Everything we do, we do unto the Lord. And can I get an amen for that? You believe that? Everything we do. And so it might just be a little coffee break, but a a couple little coffee breaks that are 30 minutes, Over the course of a day, is two hours. And it's actually a way that you're stealing from your employer. And it's actually not, the issue really for a Christian should be way more than me and the employer. It should be me and the Lord. If I was working or if I was doing whatever for a company, your attitude should be like, what if Jesus was standing with me right here during the day. He sees, he knows, and he cares. And I think that's a huge way that we defraud our employers and it's not honest. So stealing is stealing, whether it's a vehicle or whether it's somebody else's time that they're paying you to work and you're not working. Number three, defaulting on loans. You're like, wow, I didn't come to hear about this. Well, we came to talk through this series And it's more than just don't steal. Everybody get, like, in theory, you get that. It's not like you're going to go stick your hand in the offering and walk out of church. But do you know when you default on a loan, it's actually a form of theft? In the Bible, it's very clear on defaulting loans. and Honestly, it's very clear on debt. Debt is servanthood. You're a servant to someone else if you're in debt. You're a slave to someone else. And I believe that it is God's best for you to strive to get out of debt. I mean, it's that God's best for you to strive to get out of debt. The Bible says this. It says, the wicked man borrows and never repays. The wicked man borrows and never repays. There are some people that are employees that borrow things from an employer. Some employers are generous and they'll give loans and things like that. And the employee says, well, I'm just never going to pay them. The Bible says you're a wicked person. And so as we talk about this series, Exposing Dishonesty, there's so many various forms, but defaulting on loans, defaulting on a credit card payment, it's actually theft. It's not doing the right thing. You know, one of the principles that Ashley and I try to model for you is I don't try to get up and preach things that I don't live. I hate and despise debt. And from the very beginning of our marriage, we've had this principle that we want to avoid debt at all costs. And so you have to learn to say no at times to things, where you say, we choose not to spend our money there so that mom and dad can go to bed at night without a truckload of debt. So we have our mortgage, but other than that, we don't take out loans for furniture, we don't take out loans for Christmas, we don't have credit cards and all of those kind of things. Because at the end of the day, I don't want to be a servant to anyone else other than Jesus. I don't want to be a slave to anyone else but Jesus. And to be honest with you, I despise the fact that we even have a mortgage because I don't believe that's God's best. And we have, as a couple, we've predetermined what we will do with our mortgage payment once our house is paid off so that we know as a couple the kingdom things that we will do. It's more than just getting a bigger house. But being generous and being able to do things, that's our heart as leaders. And we wanna model what I believe is God's best for you. We try to do the same thing as a church. We've never had debt as a church. We've always had more than enough. And so, you know, we might not have a $5,000 nativity scene, (laughs) but praise Jesus, we got one, baby. All right? And so so defaulting on let is a form of debt, or a form of theft. Another one, these are my top five, is destroying reputations is actually a form of stealing. Destroying someone else's reputation is, is a form of stealing. Look at what it says in the book of Proverbs. It says, a good name is to be treasured above all what? Riches. A good name, a good reputation is to be treasured above all riches. Did you know that your name is worth more money than you have? That's actually a powerful and profound thought when you really think about it from Scripture. But it's interesting that when you destroy someone else's reputation, it's actually a form of theft, And many times, this is done in very deceiving ways. It's at the heart of politics. What are politics? You know, two people want to be elected for an office, and so they find the simplest way to deceive people and to destroy the reputation of the other person. And they go back, you know, they'll pay people to go back and, and figure out every little detail in their past. So that they can destroy their reputation. And it's actually a form of stealing. Have you really thought of it that way before? Number four is when we deny the Lord what is due him. It's interesting what the Bible says. It says, will a man rob God? Surely not. And yet you have robbed me. What do you mean? When, we, or when Did we ever rob you? You have robbed me of what? The tithes and the offerings do me by withholding tithes and offerings. It's actually a form of theft. Now, as a pastor, I don't get up and preach about tithes and offerings every week. Some churches do. But I don't. We try to lead and we try to model generosity. And we try as a church to tithe to missions every year and for you to see God's blessing upon this church as a principle. Maybe you're newer to the church. One of the things that Access does and our leadership team does is that as you give on Sundays, 10% of everything that's given goes to ministries outside of this church. Why do we do that? Number one, the Bible talks a lot about missions. But number two, it's actually a principle of tithing. And one of the things that I do with the leadership team is towards the end of the year, we absolutely, I promise you, we will not go through a year where less than 10% is given out of this church to missions because it's actually a form of stealing. And you don't want to be part of a church where a pastor and a board steals. Our principle and our conviction is that we tithe at a minimum 10% of undesignated funds to missions throughout the year. That's why If you were here last week, we can give somebody like Jesse a ten thousand dollar check without receiving an offering. Why? Because you've been generous, and we're able to tithe into missions. That's why, as you came in for this construction project and later in HVAC, you're not going to see a thermometer and Nate, Pastor Nate, coloring in. You know the green, and we're like twenty five thousand. We need twenty seven. Now we need thirty two, and like we're not going to be doing that kind of stuff. Why? Because when you put God first, He blesses everything connected to what you do. And as a principle, in the life of this church, we have never had any needs that God hasn't taken care of. We've always had more than enough. And do you know why? It's because we don't steal. It's because we don't rob God what is due him, and we tithe forward in missions. And I want you to continue to see that in the life of this church as a principle of something that I believe God wants to do in every person's family. That's God's best for you. And unfortunately, many Christians they, they don't understand tithing. They haven't taken that next step. And we talk about it in growth track, and that's a great way for you to hear more about it. But but they don't they don't understand tithing. They don't understand that God doesn't need our money. But what he wants to do is he wants to break the grip of materialism. He wants to see his kids say, You know what, I entrusted hundred percent. All you have to do is return 10, and I'll bless the 90 with more than enough than you would have if you stole the 10. And, and you, you know, if you find people that tithe and you talk to Christians that tithe, you will always find that God does more with the 90 than you could ever possibly do with 100. Amen? And yet, it's a form of dishonesty when we don't return the Lord what is due him. I heard the story of a pastor who was preaching a series through the Ten Commandments, and as this pastor was preaching through the the series on the Ten Commandments, this guy would come up and he's like, "Man, you preached it. Yeah? You talked about adultery, and you know, I love this series." Next week, he's like, "Yeah, you preached it. You brought it down. You talked about sin. You talked about murder and all of that kind of stuff." and you, you're really bringing it, and then the guy came, and he's like, "Pastor, Pastor, you started talking about tithing. Now you're like meddling. You know, don't go there. Don't go there." But it's actually a form of stealing, and I believe if you see it that way, you can walk in God's abundance and walk in His blessing. And one of the benefits is the Bible says that when you tithe, that He rebukes the devourer. There are some of you that it's like you can never get ahead. It's like there's never enough, and there are are bills, and there's money coming in. You're like, why in the world? There's X amount coming in, and there's X amount with bills, and it just still doesn't seem like we ever have enough, and the Bible says one of the blessings of when you tithe is that he rebukes the devourer. What does that mean? It means if your finances are in a bucket, it's like he plugs the holes, that the things that steal from other people's resources don't necessarily have to steal from your resources. You can be healthy in your body. Your cars and your stuff can last longer. It's a principle, and we can talk way more about that sometime down the road. Exposing dishonesty. Number two, how do we explain it? Well, the Bible says a couple things. Number one, that you need to realize that God is an all-seeing God. He's an all-seeing God. And the Bible says in the book of Job that God carefully watches over our goings of all mankind. He sees them all. No darkness is thick enough to hide evil men from his eyes. You know, a lot of times when people steal, a lot of times when people defraud others, they believe that nobody's watching. But as a Christian, you need to realize that God is always watching. And that's not in fear and terror. I'm I'm thankful that my Father in heaven is always watching every detail. The Bible says he delights in every detail of my life. There's nothing that I'm going to go through that catches him by surprise. That can be a wonderful thing. That can be a good thing. But I'll tell you what, why in the world would a Christian be honest? Why in the world, or dishonest, why in the world would a Christian steal? If that same God that sees all of the things that you're going through sees you stealing time from your employer. You know, several years ago, one of you guys in the church, you have a business, and you'd put all your, uh, somebody had a lawn care business, and they had all their equipment along the side of the road with the trailer, and they were running an errand or whatever, and, and, and they came back, and all the equipment was gone. And you got to wonder, the person that pulled up to that equipment that day thought, nobody's watching. But God, God, is see- he sees it all. He sees it all. He's carefully watching. So we need to be honest because we know that God is watching. And I think you need to raise your children in that type of home environment that mom and dad might not see but God sees. I want my kids to understand that because they're not always going to live at my home. But if we raise them in a home that teaches them that God is aware, he's involved, and he's carefully watching. And one of the things I think as well with parents is that not only is God watching your children, your children are watching you And what does it do in the life of a child when they see a parent that's not honest? What does this look like? This looks like you going out of the Walmart or the grocery store, and you realize that you didn't pay for something accidentally. What do you do in that moment with a child? Do you just let it go? Or do you just make it right? Ah, it's just like $3. It's it's a thing of flower, it's no big deal. But a child's watching and they're thinking, man, take note, mom's not honest, dad's not honest. What if a child sits and they, they hear you guys talking about your taxes and how to file your taxes and the best way to do your taxes? And if we don't put this here, then we're gonna be okay over there. And those little ears are listening. I think it's important that you make sure that you're raising your children in a home environment. The Bible says in Proverbs 20, verse seven, it says, it is a wonderful heritage to have an honest father. It's a wonderful heritage to have an honest father. I grew up in a home where I looked at my dad as somebody that was honest. He was a person of integrity. If he knew something was right and he knew something was wrong and he could choose to do what was wrong and nobody would know, I knew that he would do the right thing. And the Bible says it's a wonderful heritage to have an honest father, an honest mother that raises a child that God sees, he knows, and he cares. And under this house, we do the right thing, as God says is the right thing. I think another thing to consider is that in life, there are principles. As we explain dishonesty... There are principles in the word that you can't get away from. Things like this you reap what you sow. The Bible says in the book of Galatians, don't be misled. What, or remember that a man will always reap just the kind of crop that he sows. So you take apple seeds and you plant them in the ground, you're gonna get apples, you're not gonna get peaches. You plant peaches, you're not gonna get apples, you're gonna get peaches. In life, you reap that which you sow. And if you choose to plant the seeds of dishonesty in the home, if you choose to plant the seeds of dishonesty at work, you're going to reap the return of dishonesty. You can't get away from these kind of Principles, and you see how this transpires. You can see the breakdown of a family, you can see the breakdown of a nation, you can see the breakdown of even churches. When you sow seeds of dishonesty, it's very hard to uproot the crop of dishonesty. Proverbs 15:27 says, "Try to make a prophet dishonesty dishonestly, and you will get your family in trouble." I mean, you look at politics, you look at so many of the leaders, from Michael Milton to Charles Keating, to a number of politicians that they, they, they steal from their constituents, and you see how all of a the sudden they, their families end up absolutely destroyed because of a decision from a parent. You reap that which you sow. Now, why is it, have you ever really wondered, why is it that bright, intelligent people are willing to be dishonest? Why is it the bright, intelligent people that end up losing their family for stealing $10,000 from a political? Like, why, why would somebody that's smart and intelligent do something like that? Well, I think there's a couple reasons. Number one is greed, right? Number one is greed, The Bible teaches that it's at the root of all sin. Go all the way back to the very beginning, the sin of Adam and Eve. They had everything they could possibly need, everything they could possibly want, everything they could possibly desire. And God said there was how many trees? One. You have everything you want. You have everything you need. You have everything that you desire, but just don't touch the one thing and then what they touch one thing. There's just something in the heart of man that it's like, man, we just want it all, baby. You tell me don't touch that one thing, I'm going to touch that one thing. Right? It's just like, it's embedded. We want more. We need more. We can't get and be content with what we have. You can give somebody $10 million and they're going to want more. So greed is a reason. I think laziness is another reason. I think many people, especially now in our day, everybody wants something for nothing, right? We want something for nothing. And if I don't have to work and the government pays me to not work, man, that's, that's, that's pretty awesome to be enabled that way. Just be my little lazy self because I want something for nothing. And so if I worship the government as God, And they take care of my needs. And I can sit and live on my parents' basement couch. Praise God. I think there's that thing of greediness within people. I think there's that idea of laziness. We don't want to really work hard. That should never be true of a Christian. We should be people that are content. We should be people that are hardworking. And I think another reason, the third, that people steal is pride. There's just something, man, you can win a customer in a good deal. You walk away feeling superior, man. I kicked his butt. I got more than I needed, and he's a sucker. And it just feeds that pride that's in so many people's hearts. We got to ask the Holy Spirit, would you help me die to that? Because if not, there's that, man, I did it. I stole from him. I took advantage. They'll never know, but I won, baby. It feeds that pride and greed. We see it in pride and just old-fashioned laziness. Solomon says, the wealth you get by dishonesty will do you no good. But honesty will what? Save your life. The wealth you gain by dishonesty will do you no good, but honesty will save your life. Have you ever wondered why so many, I've wondered this, and maybe I shouldn't talk about this because I don't want to offend somebody, but if I do offend you, I apologize in advance. Why is it that when we see these pyramid schemes, that many times Christians are the gullible ones that jump into it? Do you ever wonder that? We just want to get rich quick and then attribute it to God. Why is it that it just seems like when all of a sudden there's this pyramid thing or if you do this and you get 10 clients and those 10 clients get 20 clients and all of it. You know, when we started in ministry, one of the things that Ashley and I really committed to was we knew that when you're in leadership in any way, shape or form, there are always going to be people that want to use your position to help benefit them. And from the very beginning of our marriage, I remember saying, you know what? We're not getting into these sales things. Oh, Pastor Zach, if you sell this, you know, liquid berry stuff that's going to save everybody's life, and I'll get five clients, and then they'll get five clients, and like you use the relationships, and you take advantage of all the people to sell your little berry juice or whatever, you can make a lot of money real quick. But I remember when we first started in ministry, just protecting that and saying, you'll never find us doing that type of stuff. But it's so popular with Christians. We we want to earn money quickly without just kind of the hard work. Most of you guys that are in business here, you would agree that the best way to acquire true wealth is to work your rear end off. Work hard. Nothing pays better than just working hard. And some of you guys, I know you're hardworking business owners and God has blessed you and he's prospered you in business. Matthew chapter 25 verse 21, the Bible says, he said in that day that he will say, well done, you have shown you can be faithful in small things and I will trust you with greater ones. Come on and join in your master's happiness. If you are not faithful in the small things, you will never be faithful in the big things. And I would submit to you that working hard may seem like a small thing, but I'll tell you what, in our culture, some of you guys, you're young and you're just starting out in the workforce. You're just starting out raising a family. If you can learn to be a hard worker, God will bless you. God will promote you. You'll be an employee that an employer will envy because they can't find hard workers in our day and age. The quickest way to the top is work hard at the bottom, and you'll be elevated to the top. And are there any employers that agree with me? If so, say, yes, sir. <laughs> Absolutely, just work hard and be faithful. Finally, how do we eliminate dishonesty? Dishonesty. know, I talked about some of my top five. And maybe you're here today, and you say, man, yeah, I'm not honest. I'm not an honest person. And I'm asking you just today, this afternoon, just pray, Holy Spirit, would you search my heart and get me on the track to being a person that is honest in a dishonest culture? One of the things that's interesting is that the Holy Spirit will convict us at times, but then the question is, what am I to do? Because sometimes you, you, you're not doing the right thing for a period of time. The Holy Spirit quickens you to get on the right path. But then the question is, what do I do? And let me tell you what you're not going to want to hear today. I'm going to tell you today that it is God's best for you to make restitution. Oh, I just thought I could get it right in my heart and move on. No, the Bible teaches that if you're not honest, and you've stolen from an employer, that you're actually to make restitution. Wow, where's that in the Bible? Just write this chapter down, Luke 19. It's the story of Zacchaeus. He's a tax collector. What did tax collectors do in the day? They would collect a tax. So let's say the tax is 5%. And I'm the tax collector, and I go to Josh and Jess's house, and I go to collect the tax, and I tell them it's 10%. Well, what was the tax? It was 5%. What do you do with the other 5%? You put it in your back pocket, and you call it a day. And so they were the modern day thieves of the day. And so they would steal from the people, they were hated, they were despised because they were ripping everybody off. And so what happens? Jesus interacts with Zacchaeus, who's a tax collector. He's despised. He's hated in the community. All of a sudden, he gives his life to Jesus. And the Bible says that after that encounter, he says this. This is a sign of true conversion. It's more than just, yes, I love Jesus in my heart. It's Zacchaeus saying, I have stolen from all of these people. I'm going to pay them back fourfold. How many of you know that's a commitment? That's a man that realized and recognized his sin and was able to reconcile that. And he felt like he was supposed to do it, not dollar for dollar, but $4 per dollar. And so I believe that if, if, if there's something that you feel like you haven't been honest about, that you have to ask the Holy Spirit, where and how am I supposed to make restitution? I think that's the honoring thing to do. That's the right thing to do. I didn't want to hear that, Zach. Just wanted to get it right in my heart. But the Bible says it's more than the things that you do in your heart is to be fleshed out in the actions and all of the stuff around you, right? I can say I love Ashley as much as I want from my heart. But if I don't care for her, you're like, where's the disconnect between something in your heart And what you're doing. And the Holy Spirit would say, if you have been deceitful and dishonest, and you get it convicted in your heart, there should be a corresponding action to make it right. And you can ask the Holy Spirit, how can you make that right? I think another way, honestly, is in the era of tithing. You say, well, I've just, man, I just, I can't do it. You know, years ago, I had somebody that talked to me, and they said, they really came to the sense that, you know what? They, they called it a partial tithe. Tithe means 10, tenth, you know? So it'd be like, there's no such thing as like a partial quarter if I give you a quarter, right? It's like, I'm not gonna hand you half a quarter. There's no such thing as half a quarter. A quarter is a quarter. A tithe is a 10th. And they said, you know, they came under conviction. Nobody preached on tithing. Nobody was taught on tithing, but they were like, you know what, I was tithing 5%. And I thought I was gonna edge my way up to 10, like, you know, and they just realized, like, The Bible says a tithe is tenth, and I was doing five, and they became convicted, and they reconciled that year, and they just covered, and they paid the rest of that tithe in one check, and the Holy Spirit prompted them to do it. And I thought, that's remarkable, and I really can respect a Christian that does that, because it's like more than just a decision in the heart, there was a corresponding action to reconcile that and then number 3 is the worship team comes up comes up I think the third way that you can reconcile dishonesty how can we be honest people in a dishonest culture and I'll say something that's super simple but let me just say it make an honest living make a what honest living Paul, as he's speaking to the Christians, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, he's speaking to new believers, and here's what he says. He says, if anyone is stealing, he must stop it and begin using those hands of his for honest work so that he can give to others in, in need. He can give to others in need. Just be An honest person. Be someone that's willing to work hard and God, God will bless you. Now it's interesting because I'm preaching this whole series and I'm just walking through these Ten Commandments but to be honest with you, as I'm preparing and I'm asking the Holy Spirit, I'm like, what in the world does this have to do with our church? You guys work your tails off. Many of you own thriving, thriving businesses, and God has blessed you. And I want to just commend you. And just say, I'm working through this series. There's not one thing in particular that I'm like, man, tithing's not up. Tithing's up. People have given more this year than any other year. You guys are such a generous church. Always more than enough. So great job for that. Many of you own businesses. You're great leaders and you have great employees because I know some of your employees and the way they speak about you as an employer is actually remarkable because you model these kind of things and when a leader models it, people mirror it. And so to be honest with you, I've taught through this whole message today, but as a pastor, I, I, I think we do a stellar job with like all of this. And so like my heart, I want you to hear from me, it's not to put a burden on you, but to say, hey, you're doing a great job. We have leaders in this church that we trust. We have people that work hard. You're always willing to step forward. We talked about caroling last week and we needed a certain amount of people to carol. And Mark's like, man, all these people signed up. He's like, more people can sign up, but it was like the best, people are just so willing. But a lot of times, You don't want to wait till you're in a mess to talk about this type of stuff. You can talk about it when things are going really well because what it does is it protects the culture and protects the heart of the church. And so that's kind of my takeaway today is that I honestly think we're doing really well. But just take note of what God's word says. Be an honest person in a dishonest culture be a hard worker in a culture that typically is greedy and lazy and you'll walk and you'll experience uh, the blessing of God and then before I pray with every head bowed every eye closed two questions that I want to ask you number one do you know the Lord maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus you know that you don't have peace with God that your sins are not forgiven that heaven's not your home today the first thing that I would submit to you you need to do is be honest about your sin sin separates separates me and you from a holy God and you need to see sin as what it is it's missing the mark what was the mark in the Bible absolute perfection but the Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God be honest about your sin and realize that I'm in need of a Savior I've never come to the point in my life that I've acknowledged my sin and I've seen that Jesus is the solution to that sin. The Bible says that you confess your sin, that you receive Christ, that you repent, meaning you turn away from that way of living. You could have been a dishonest person in the past, but when you come into right relationship with Christ, you're a person of integrity, you're a person of honesty. And maybe that's you today and you want to give your life to the Lord. I want to pray for you. Would you just lift your hand to the Lord and just say, I need you, Jesus. I want to give you my life right now and surrender my life to you. Is there anyone here today? You don't have peace with God. You don't know that your sins are forgiven, that heaven's your home. And then if not, the second question I just want to ask before we close is for you just to personalize this message and to say, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me today? Maybe there's something that you didn't think was honest, but he'll put his finger on it right now. Say, you told that person this, but really you're withholding the truth in that conversation. You just need to reconcile it, make it right, whatever it is. Say, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me today? highlights something or puts his finger just say, Lord, I'm going to make it right. Forgive me. And then I'll make it right. I'll call the person. I'll make restitution. I'll tell my kids, yeah, mommy or daddy did it this way. I know you saw or you heard it, but I want you to know the Holy Spirit convicted me and that's wrong. And I want you to know that it was wrong. The kids will respect you for that. What a powerful example when a parent acknowledges that they're not perfect to their child. What a great way to role model things for them. Holy Spirit, would you just search our hearts today? Thank you for joining us this week. If you would like to further connect with us, you can find us online at scaccesschurch.com or on any social media platform. Have a blessed week.